welcome to Subject ACT on your people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3. This is Bindi Dobbin, and thanks for joining us. My guests this week are Virginia Hausiger, co-founder of the 5050 by 2030 Club, and Judy Waters, long-term activist and feminist, entrepreneur and successful businesswoman. I spoke with Virginia back in January of this year, and we were talking about gender equality and gender equity. We also spoke about women in Parliament, Vice President Harris and Julie Gillard, and the importance of image and perception. I start off asking Virginia about industry engagement and whether industry engagement can stifle innovation. Is it good to have outsiders coming in? Have a listen. Because you've been offshore for such a long time and worked in the Middle East and have such a rich experience, I actually find people such as yourself, when you come back, your response to what you see and where you see Australia sitting at the moment is is terribly important. We do become complacent. We also become blind to what's before us. We really do. And that's why going back to setting up the the 50-50 by 2030 Foundation, it took a Brit, an academic who came out here from York University, landed in Canberra and started looking around to say, where are the women for all of us to go, oh yeah, where are the women? You know, often does take outside eyes and that's important, really important. The question is whether you get a voice and whether we, yeah. you know, whether we're listened to. And and the next generation of people that can take this fight forward because it seems that the, from the Wendy McCarthy's and, you know, you look at the women's electoral lobby and things when they really mm. started right through to where it is now. And there's mm. been a lot of movement, but you kind of, well, what's going to happen next? Well, it's so interesting that beautiful Wendy McCarthy, she's actually on, um, on my um, advice advisory council for the 5050 by 2030 foundation which is just wonderful wendy is uh, you know of that era that, that i used to really look up to they were you know her women such as wendy and quentin bryce and and others were just icons Amazing. to yep. me Absolutely. and you know and and summers you know complete icons and still are really but they they did some incredible work to really shake up australian government if we go back to the fantastic Susan Ryan mm-hmm. who was the woman who got into Goff's ear until you know she wouldn't shut up until he finally agreed to although he was open to it a sex discrimination act as I said it was the first in the world Australia the first in the world to, to actually have that she was the only woman in cabinet at the time 1984 the only woman but behind her she had all these amazing women such as um, the Wendy McCarthy's and the, and the and Summers and Elizabeth Reeds and Sarah Dowse and all these um, Murray Coleman here in Canberra you know amazing women um, before doing fantastic work but a lot of collective work working together women saying we just you know we we cannot allow our government to continue on being totally male oriented patriarchal and, and pretend to represent us, it doesn't. The, the the problem is when we started managing or effectively getting women through, skilled up to get into parliament, and we now have about 32% in our federal parliament, which is pathetic, but it's, it's more than it was, obviously. It's been so hard to get women into parliament that I fear for a long time we've been pushing women in and 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 virtually telling them to behave like men, behave like the men do and, and muscle up and man up, put on your screaming voice and all the rest to 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 do what they do so that you'll be taken seriously. And, and I think that's wrong. It's time in the 21st century we have to do politics better. We have to do it differently. We have to do it a lot more collaboratively. We have to do it a lot more inclusively. We have to bring citizen participation into it a lot, lot more. And the more women we've got, 
the, 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 the more this kind of message is getting through, the Senate now, ha- well, at one point it had reached a 50-50 men and women, um, which was terrific. Now, when we look at, lo- at um, state-based and territory governments, they're doing much better than the federal parliament. I mean, here in the ACT, I'm very proud to say that we have a not only a um, female majority in the Assembly, but a female majority in Cabinet as well. Fantastic. Which is, and, and look, the difference is not only does it bring different life experiences to the table but it automatically because women have such broader lives than men and this is true men who have had a fairly linear progression in their careers women have a broader experience and uh you know from from birth are are conditioned to socialize differently they are tend to be more inclusive in their outlook and so way of thinking yeah so bringing more women in is actually and making all organisations also look at their broader inclusivity, which is, a, you know, it's got to happen. And there's a lot of um, studies around the benefits of that in the sense of revenue and... Oh, absolutely. GDP I mean, and things like that Yeah, as well. look, GDP and, and the, the business bottom line, and this is another thing I'd say about the, the private sector, they know, and that's why um, before the public sector in Australia started getting really serious about gender equality in leadership, the private sector had started to pick up on some of those excellent studies coming out of Harvard and and, and elsewhere that were showing that that companies, private sector companies that had more women in management and on their boards always had better bottom lines, better better bottom lines, better profit margins. You know, they were doing better and and the one common denominator for all of them was more women. Those organisations, those companies that have no women in their leadership, executive leadership or on boards are just crazy. And quite frankly, their shareholders should be sacking them. So it's a hard thing, isn't it? And looking at your article about the vice president's new clothes (laughs) about Kamala Harris made Mm. me think about Julie Gillard and Mm. about we as women. And Mm. I love the fact that you had a sort of a mea culpa in there Mm. as well, because we women are very tough on ourselves and tough on other women, I think. And I remember um, probably looking at Julia Gillard and and not really getting an, an understanding of of her in politics here when she was Prime Minister. And then I came across her in Abu Dhabi and heard her speak and I was blown away mm-hmm. at how impressive a woman she was. Not only had she introduced more legislation than any other Prime Minister at the time and the things that she's done before, had done before mm-hmm. and since, that one makes one forget any mm-hmm. of the aspects that we thought were so important and in fact were probably poor reflection on all of ourselves. Tell me about your article. It's a great article about oh, Kamala thank Harris. You. Really thank interesting. You. Look, this was a funny one because um, I wouldn't normally draw attention to something like a photo or a cover shot of um, a, a woman in leadership in relation to how she looks. But this is what that article was. So it was an interesting one in the Canberra Times and I have had some, you know, some very angry feedback about that. Oh, really? um, oh, oh the trolling on on. Twitter was extraordinary. Uh, a lot of men very, very angry uh, because of some of the comments that women were making about this. In a nutshell, um, I thought it was important because we do need to talk about the fact that here we are globally in this wonderful situation where the first uh, woman finally is becoming um, a vice president in the United States and, ha- and a, she happens to also be a woman of colour, which is extraordinary i mean it's much later than it should have been but you know here we are but in a nutshell 
She posed for um, Vogue in a deal where the Vogue magazine was to hit the newsstands um, just after she is inaugurated and it was to be a collector's item. Um, the front cover leaked uh, to the media, which quite frankly probably was a rather clever strategy to see you know, how this was going to go. But um, the, the cover leaked and what was fascinating to me was I was seeing a lot of women on uh, social media and, and terrific journalists and columnists I, I follow all getting in a real tease about this. And I thought, oh God, don't tell me we're talking about what she wears or how she looks. But the reason being was interesting. It, it was that the photo that, that was leaked that Vogue chose to use for its print cover, not its digital cover, its print cover was a very casual shot of Kamala Harris wearing her own clothes, street clothes, and it showed her wearing her sneakers, and she's got a big kind of toothy smile. And I, as soon as I saw it, I actually thought, wow, isn't that lovely? She's, I think she's absolutely beautiful. But I just love the casualness of it. You know, I just love the, I love her sneakers. And as a former television presenter, I'm very conscious of those posed shots that you do for media and I've done a thousand of them myself and I've got you know I'm very conscious of you pull your shirt down so it's not buckled and I looked at the shot of Kamala that they used and thought she didn't even pull her shirt down but her top down properly because it's all buckled at the top (laughs) and it just delighted me because I thought oh isn't it great that we can have that so it surprised me when I saw the outrage with people saying it's it's horrible because it's not presidential enough it's not authoritative enough she doesn't look powerful enough she doesn't look executive enough which made me think hang on hang on what does an executive powerful authoritative person have to look like whose perception is it? whose perception is it and it turns out that what people who were upset about it wanted was they wanted the power pose so there was another photo taken that vogue decided not to use but it did they did use it for their digital edition which is a power pose it's one of those you know, many photos I've taken when you cross your arms, you hold your arms up high so they're not squashing your breast and, you know, you, you look down the barrel of the camera and you look very authoritative and you're wearing a designer suit and you're, you're all puffed up and your hair looks lovely and blah, blah, blah. That's what they wanted to see. And I just thought, you know what, it's the 21st century. Let, let's get a bit real. Let, let, let's be a bit more honest. We don't have to be mimicking these sort of power poses and say that's what authority looks like. Authority can look like Kamala inner sneakers looking goofy. If, and if I love what her. you said about uh, Julia. Yeah. Uh, you know, about the Woman's Weekly cover and things. The things mm. are for all of us to think about. And Ooh, from yeah. women to women. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we don't always admit that. We like to think that we are sort of, you know, fairly moderate and, and you know, we support other women. But, you know, I think sometimes Well, look, I fell into it. We, we all have our biases. Mm. Now, our, our subconscious biases, um, although some of them are quite conscious. But, we look, I fell into it. And that's what I was also saying in that article, you know, I'm guilty here. Back in 2013, when Julia Gillard was being hammered by the media, as she always was, and you know, and I was still working in mainstream media for the ABC, and I was also writing columns. Um, Julia, her team decided that she should do something like a Women's Weekly cover and feature, but where she was not being the Prime Minister, um, so they had her knitting. So she was sitting in an armchair. She was actually knitting a kangaroo for the new royal child about to be born, and I'm forgetting which child it was, um, the first of those babies, whoever it was. Who, who got married first? William. William, right, okay, William and Catherine, that's it. So they, they had announced their baby, and so here she was knitting a little kangaroo for them. I was so upset with her for doing this because I, I, I thought it was demeaning. The very things they're saying about Kamala now, looking casual, I thought it was demeaning. Meaning of Julia, I thought she should look more presidential, uh, more prime ministerial. I, I thought that um, she, highlighting the fact that she can s- sit in an armchair in the lodge and knit was 
not what we wanted to see. So I marched off to her media advisor and I got stuck into her and said, how could you do this? You know, what are you doing? And it was interesting because the response was, well, you know, but she doesn't it. I don't care. You know, we shouldn't be showing that to the world. But and, and that was the response. But she was actually knitting. She likes knitting and she was making a baby kangaroo. It's who she was. Yeah. Who she is. Yeah, it's who she is. What's and, and but the, the what I didn't see, and this is where, you know, I've had to really I've done a lot of thinking about this and also realised my own mistake was why can't we accept that, you know, a Prime Minister might knit or crochet. Another Prime Minister might cook. Because we are so used to seeing middle-aged white men in suits with blue ties as our Prime Minister, that here was I also as a journalist falling for that, thinking, oh, she looks wrong, she looks wrong. This picture, what's wrong with this picture? Um, whereas, in fact, you know what? We've got to be embracing that difference and seeing, and quite frankly, seeing men also beyond just that very narrow stereotype that we have them in as leaders, um, seeing them as broader people as well and encouraging them to be more than just that stereotype. I could not agree more. And I think it's so hard for people in the public eye, I mean, to encourage people to stand for public office in this day and age. Um, you know, A, financially, it's not as rewarding, I'm sure, for some. <laughs> not, not at but, all. Yeah. Uh, but secondly, the, you know, when you talk about the trolls that you have on social media things, I mean, it's just extraordinary. It's it's takes a very confident person, female or male, to be able to stand up and, you know, apply to, to be in you know, look, government. it does, but I actually think it's really important. And strength. It does, and strength, and, and you, you know, you have to be very bold, I think. But I really think it's very important to encourage people, you know, women in particular, of course, to do that and also to take a good look at federal parliament, for example. When women think, oh, gosh, I couldn't do that, Actually, take a good look of a lot of people who are there, and, and I'm I'm thinking of some of those men who've been there for a long time and really shouldn't be there at all, who have very little um, uh, qualification to be sitting in our mm. federal parliament, making laws that affect all our lives and and that affects Australia's uh, uh, future, our security, etc. Um, I think if you take a good hard look at some of these people, more and more women would be able to say, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. I, I, you know, it is so critically important that we we improve the way we do politics in this country and particularly in our federal parliament. That, you know, I, I'd encourage people to don't be, don't be turned off by uh, media representation and um, the way the public... I think the public in Australia actually, we need to get a little bit more sophisticated about how we think about our politicians, I think. You know, we tend to think of politicians immediately, someone becomes a politician, become the baddie. And quite frankly, that's just, it, it, apart from being unsophisticated, it's just wrong. You know, every I've, over my 30 years as a journalist, I've known many, many people, in, well, obviously a lot of politicians, and many people going into politics. I have never come across a single person who's gone into politics wanting to do it for, for simply ego or power and certainly not for money every one of them goes in i think i believe um with 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 public good in mind that what happens to them when they get there well that's different and unfortunately quite frankly i think with the major political parties um the deals factionalism and deals and power deals gets in the way uh, which, which is why I keep saying we need to do politics differently. But, you know, I do believe these are ordinary people who go into it initially with public good in mind. Um, some of them, unfortunately, get elevated 
when they shouldn't and, and actually get elevated to get pre-selected when they shouldn't. Maybe this is your next career. <laughs> Never too late, I always think. Oh, I mean, gosh. you know, we need good people stepping up. Thank you. Look, it's a, it's a pleasure. I'm absolutely delighted to have these sort of conversations and, I, and we need to have a lot more of it. And it is really important that people who sometimes get a little bit despondent understand there are huge numbers of, of, of women and men. I've got a number of men on my advisory council who are fantastic mm. uh, and a number of men who, in fact, on this, this, this survey we did on gender attitudes, the majority of those who worked on it were men and they were, you know, really, really intimately there are good men, involved. aren't they? Yeah, no, there's some fantastic... <laughs> Men who, who also want to see exactly. better gender equality for all of us, for all of us, to liberate them as well. But it is important for people to know that we are, you know, there are a lot of people working on this and there is a lot of work to do. I guess we're just on that road and we've got to keep on that road um, and we've just got to bring people with us and uh, men and women. That's the future. Thank you very much, Virginia. That was the incredible Virginia Hausiger. And that really does conclude my interview with Virginia. Who knew when I asked that question of what happens next that women in Australia would reach the tipping point that we've seen in the last month? Fingers crossed we see some great policy changes and fast. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Subject ACT, your people-powered radio, 2XXFM 98.3. My second guest is Judy Waters, well-known camera businesswoman who's worked in the arts, advertising and marketing sectors for more than 30 years. Judy's founded two very successful businesses, Mad Communications and BDW Special Events. She's now the CEO of Rowdy, a full-service marketing and communications agency. Welcome, Judy. Thanks very much. Tell me how you've become a feminist and how your agency supports young women. I kind of feel like I've always been a feminist. I, you know, I, I almost feel like I was born a feminist. And I guess actually when, you know, growing up, I did have three brothers and no sisters. So I kind of always felt that I had to defend myself and advocate for myself. Equality, equity has always been really, fairness has always, justice has always been really important to me. And for me, being a feminist brings in all of those things. And I I, I notice when it doesn't happen. And I've always noticed um, when, when it doesn't, when it hasn't happened. So it just feels like a natural state to me. When that feminist stuff was happening in the 60s and 70s, I was still at school and, you know, like I just kind of missed that. And I'm really sorry I missed it. Would have loved that. <laughs> but my mother wouldn't have let me go, of course, do anything. Yeah, I, I feel like I've I've been sort of fighting that battle for a while. And then I guess the flow on from that period to people, say my peers, I actually have a lot of friends who, who uh, I went to school with and we, we all had very similar views about how we expected to be treated and 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 how we expected our careers to be and what we were looking for and what we would put up with and what we wouldn't not that we had that much say in a lot of things but yeah a lot of strong women and you know the other interesting thing about that is it was an all-girls school so I think that's quite interesting as well. And those cranky old nuns who we didn't like so much at the time probably actually were, not probably, they were really positive role models for us. Thinking 
Coming back to BDW, really, which was just the most fantastic agency, and it, you seem to actually have to launch some of the biggest events in town. You were a startup as well. Was it rare at that time, and it's not so long ago, to be a female in startups and in such a successful business? What do you think the takeouts of running such a successful agency as BDW and then mad agency and of course now we'll talk about rowdy shortly but bdw really led the way paved the way that, yeah that's interesting isn't it and but you know when you when you're when you're doing things you don't think you don't think about what it looks like or whether you're a forerunner or whatever as it turns out we were but what what motivated that for me personally and i was in business with two fabulous men what motivated me personally is that i I'm from a business family and I always wanted to be in business. So it was that motivation. I'd worked for the Canberra Festival. I went to Sydney and I was doing PR consulting up there, came back to Canberra and had a conversation with my two friends, Michael and Paul, and said, this is what we should do. We should, there's a gap in the market. We should get it going. And of course, that was before they were called startups. Take up, would you say, because it's probably another another interview, but for startups, for young women in startups, and it's 2021. So what advice would you give for women, young women, in, and that links into, I guess, rowdy in what you're doing now? I'm not sure that my, my advice wouldn't be textbook. I've started businesses and and with, with others, not just on my own. And that whole thing about, you know, having a business plan and really doing your research, certainly BDW, it was gut feel. We just had this gut feel that it was going to work. And and the advice I would I would most strongly give is just go for it. Just have a go, have a crack. And I mean, look, having said that, there are there are really sort of practical things like make sure you've got good accounting advice, make sure you've got, you know, a a lawyer who hopefully you don't have to use too often. Um, So get those fundamentals in place. But just having the, the, the courage to get started and understand that it's not easy. You will get knockbacks. You will. I mean, being in business, I mean, even now being in business is, is, is a roller coaster ride. But sometimes it's fabulous and sometimes it's, re- it's a real struggle. Everyone in business would tell you that for sure. So tell me about Rowdy. So it's a business to help and support women. Um, you have women employees. Why, why is it just for women? It's not exclusively for women but we are driven by that. So I'm a co-founder because actually the role I play in Rowdy, Luella, my Luella Jago, my business partner, runs the show and does an outstanding job. And my role is to sort of be in the background and support and and we've got we have um, three other women in the business. And we've employed men, so it's not exclusively, but it's just the way things sort of um, have shaped up. Again, I guess we we identified that you know there was there was a sector of the market, Ours is a very male-dominated industry, very male-dominated. It's it's mad. Think Mad Men, and you know it's not too far removed from that. Um, so we we sort of realised very early on that uh, it is unusual. Look, I think the stat for. The stat for female-owned businesses globally, um, creative businesses, is 0.1%. Wow. No, it's really tiny. It's really tiny. So it's very male-dominated. We wanted to do things differently. So, you know, the name Rowdy indicates that. It's And we're not rowdy people. We're not rowdy at all. But That's not true, Judy. Well, okay, you know me better. <laughs> 
I don't present to everybody that way. Um, but we wanted to disrupt in that space, in that male-dominated space. So we we set about communicating to people that females make important decisions about purchasing, about all sorts of things, and often they're not spoken to. So that's part of what we do. The other part is that we so fundamentally believe in feminism and equity that we wanted to work with those organisations. So wonderful organisations like 5050 by 2030 Foundation, you know, that. So we have Heartland, we have our Heartland projects, and also organisations run by women because, you know, it's uh, it makes a difference um, dealing with women. You, you get a different perspective, you know, getting the female perspective and female strategic thinking uh, can be quite different. Tell me about Fearless Women. Uh, Fearless Women is an organisation that we're just getting going now. It's an incorporated association. Uh, I'm on the board. It's it's for girls and young women in Canberra and the region. It's set up along the lines of Men's Link. Uh, so Men's Link, Martin Fisk is on the board. Uh, Gay Brotman is the chair. It's Men's Link identified that there was a need for this service. We've been busy getting it getting it set up and it's just uh, it's just about to take off so and what do you hope to achieve with it it's to support girls and young women so at this stage it's upper primary lower lower secondary Ment- it could be mentoring training programs in school programs that's everything that's been formulated now so yeah so you'll go into the schools possibly and, that's yeah. one that's one right. option men's link certainly does that and that's all the stuff that we're exploring now so those are the conversations as you can imagine i mean it's like you know setting up a new organization is like setting up a business all the um discussions you need to have and pathways you need to clear so it sounds like there's a huge need for something like this yes Absolutely. And how did you find some of the conference this week? What was the conference called? Connected to the UNCSW um, Commission for the Status of Women conference in um, in New York. It was fantastic. The job that 5050 by 2030 and the Gender Institute uh, did was phenomenal. So it was two days of really interesting discussions. I mean, it's it's wonderful to be in the presence of those women who, and, and, and there were men involved too, a couple, who have done the research, have been in the space, can articulate really well. And a big thing, a, a big push was around intersectionality. So we heard from all sorts of people, which is, of course, is absolutely essential. It, it was, for me, it was really stimulating and encouraging. And I was particularly encouraged to hear that one of the um, one of the people I was speaking to, who's been in this scene for a long time, really believes that change is going to happen this time. That there have been spikes along the way over the years, and we've thought things were going to happen, but this time she's more confident that yep that it will we need to call out stuff like i'm sure you're the same as me over the years we've seen all sorts of dreadful stuff and not feel comfortable sometimes calling stuff out i mean i do call a fair bit of stuff out and have done but oh, we not never always now no, we're probably calling out but in the past no we kind of got round it yeah yeah that's right so i think we have to be observant I think we have to call out bad behaviour and, and stuff that we don't think is appropriate. And I think we have to have conversations with people. Really 
And conversations, not fights, not arguments, not going head to head and conversations with people we might not even normally talk to. So people we know have different views from us to really open up and have an honest conversation and each share their views because I reckon that can bring things around. Well said, Judy Waters. Thank you very much, Judy. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week and thank you to my guests, Virginia and Judy. Stay tuned to 2XFM 98.3, your people-powered radio, for more great stories and programs. Don't forget, we're streaming online and on demand, 2XFM.org.au. This is Bindi Dobbin. Have a great week. <laughs> 